Has the rat race and hustle mentality of American culture gotten the best of you? Perhaps it's time to pack your bags for good and live abroad. We're chatting with expat expert Amani Bashir right after this. Welcome to the Black Girl Bravado podcast, your weekly fix for all things mental health and wellness. I'm Brittany, the joke-cracking, detail-oriented friend who is always down the road when you need her. For the legal stuff, though, not the illegal stuff. And I'm Germany, the loyal friend who keeps you laughing. I'm a ray of sunshine, and you can always find me on the dance floor. And not only are we besties, but we're your besties. You heard me right. It's homegirl vibes here. Get ready for the girls to dish the real, the raw, and the fucking funny. And listen, we may drag you, but it's always in love. Let's start the show, cuties. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back, my babies. The Monique approach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, y'all. My boo-boo babies. Hey. <laughs> One of the girlies or somebody, it might have been a man in the comments said, as one of Germany's boo-boo babies. I know. I see I'm like, what the hell? I love it. I love it. You know what else I love? What? I love when y'all see us out in public and you say, you know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. I'm going to say it. It happened multiple times this weekend when I was out mm. and it made me feel good. It feels good. I said, yes. A- acknowledge that you love it. Acknowledge yeah. that you know who the fuck I am. Girl, because I don't. I be seeing people and I be looking at them like, I don't know them. I know. I don't know. I, do I don't know why I do that. I don't know. It's I just do my too. personality. Yeah. And but, I mean, if that's your person, I, I know that more people know who we are and they don't say anything. But really what makes me feel good is when people like I listen and it does this for me. Mm-hmm. Not just like, do you record a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's the, the additional that comes. With yeah. A, a young black girl seeing me out at the day party. You weren't around. Mm-hmm. But I did tell her when she came back, there was a spotting. It was a sighting. <laughs> she did. She said someone saw. There was a sighting. I said there was a sighting. And she was just like, I've been listening for like a year and it's just so helpful. And da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I right. love that. And obviously, um, when we were out, another homegirl, she was like, I love the podcast. It just makes me feel so good. Wow. So um, that is very rewarding, y'all. It is. This is damn near like a thankless job. Girl, because you know? sometimes it feels like we just be on these mics. Yeah. Just like it's kind of like just doing shit. Yeah. One of those jobs that goes unseen where like we know that it's impactful, but when we don't hear it often and people don't tell us what it's actually doing for them, it can kind of make it falls We're on deaf ears. wondering if it is. Yeah. So if you see me out, please. If you see me in the street. Yo. Tell me you know me. <laughs> tell me you know me. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love that. Well. You know what I'm loving? I'm loving this mini series that we're doing mm-hmm. on travel. Yeah. Perfect time to be talking about it, too. It summer. is. It's summer. I love travel. It makes me feel good. I saw this meme that said I got all these trips planned, but I ain't got the money for it. Listen, listen. <laughs> the way I'll say I'll, I'm going on a trip. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I want to go. And then right. I'm like, okay, but well, we got to pay for this shit. How, how are we doing all of this? How are we doing it all? Yeah. Um, but traveling is just so energizing. It invigorates me. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And I want to do more of it. So I'm happy we're talking about it. 
in this series because I'm inspired to travel more, travel differently. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I do. I, I I can appreciate. I feel like over the last few years, I've been able to appreciate travel in a different way, where it's like this really has to be become a part of my life. Mm -hmm. Right. Not one of those things that you just do every now and again, because that's also this like we have this idea that travel is like it's exclusive to a vacation. And the more people around me who are traveling more frequently, it's like, no, it's actually a lifestyle. This is a part of your life. It's important and it matters. So, yes, um, one thing that we always do is go somewhere and be like, I could live here. Easily. I could stay forever. Girl. And um, I'm glad that we're having this conversation about living somewhere, going and staying forever. You know? Because that's a possibility for us. It is. It's available. It's, it's available for us, black women specifically, mm-hmm. to go somewhere out of this country, of the U.S., because Listen. we do have international listeners. So y'all could come here if y'all want to. But yeah. It is possible for us to go to another country outside of our home country and create a life for ourselves. Yeah. A beautiful life in that. And I'm inspired. I don't know if that's something that I want to do, but I, I do feel empowered knowing that it's a possibility for me. Hell yeah. I, I Same. I, the way I'm like, I could, you already know where I could go. Mexico you already know. City. Yeah. And we're going to get into why I feel like I belong there later on in this series. Yes. Is there some... Um, science (laughs) it's in the stars right it's written in the stars but yeah it's a there is a life for us outside of what we're used to and what we've been born into oh there's so much abundance available to us in our life not just here where we have our seeds planted but wherever we choose to go and plant them Yes. And last week we talked about solo travel and that's a good way to dip your toe into the water to see hmm where, Let me travel to these different places. Maybe there is more for me here. Mm-hmm. That is a way to explore. Um, so, yeah, today we have an expert with us because neither Germany nor I have lived abroad. Right. But we do have Amani Bashir, who is a world traveler who has lived in five different countries mm. while expanding her career in media. And I love Imani She is such a cool person to chat with. And her purpose here is to be an ambassador for marginalized people to create conversations that shift culture and to be a visual representation for Muslim women, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. She travels and represents her culture to the fullest. Yeah. And she just has so much knowledge and insight about expat life. So if this is something that you've been exploring or something that you're interested in, or maybe just something that you want to hear about, you're in the right spot. You are. So stay tuned. We're going to have Imani come on and drop all the gems and tea about expat living right after this. Have you ever dreamed of effortlessly conversing in another language? Whether it's for that upcoming international trip, connecting with family and friends, diving deep into a new culture, or simply adding a new skill to your repertoire, learning a new language opens up a world of opportunities. But let's face it, traditional methods like textbooks and classroom learning can be a drag. That's where Rosetta Stone comes in. As the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years, Rosetta Stone offers a revolutionary approach that truly immerses you in the language you want to learn without relying on CDs or DVDs. 
Picture this, you're effortlessly conversing in Spanish on the streets of Barcelona, ordering tapas like a local, or discussing the latest French designers with Parisians. So sexy, right? With Rosetta Stone's intuitive process, you'll learn naturally starting with words, then phrases, then full sentences. And with over 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish, the possibilities are endless. Rosetta Stone's speech recognition technology, including the True Accent feature, acts like a personal trainer for your accent, providing instant feedback on your pronunciation. Plus, with both desktop and app options available, along with offline lesson downloads and an audio companion, learning for the babe on the go has never been easier. And here's the best part. For a limited time, Rosetta Stone is offering a lifetime membership for 50% off, y'all. That's right, lifetime access to all 25 language courses for half the price. Don't miss out on this amazing deal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, BGB listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Hey, bookies, we got something special for you. Are you ready to dive into a celebration of blackness that's as diverse as the experience it represents? Well, NPR has got you covered with Black Stories, Black Truths. This is a groundbreaking collection that's more than just a podcast. It's Revelation. What does black representation in media mean to you? Because to me... It's about breaking down stereotypes, challenging biases, and also showcasing the rich tapestry of black experiences. For sure. Absolutely. And Black Stories, Black Truths is the epitome of this celebration. Each episode is a living account of what it truly means to be black today. And it's told from a unique black perspective. And I feel like these aren't just stories like the narratives of joy, resilience, empowerment, and also the incredible ability to create world-shifting things out of the struggle. Seriously, you'll hear about everything from pop culture icons like Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama, to discussions on vital topics like reparations, y'all. There's really no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Have you tuned in yet? One of my favorite episodes is the one on how real self-care takes real systemic change. That's a must-listen. Yeah, I really think the hosts bring a tone that's celebratory. It's also informative and reflective, which I really can appreciate. Every episode is a journey. It offers a range of emotions and perspectives that keeps you hooked from start to finish. As soon as I turn it on, I'm like, mm. And let's not forget, Black perspectives haven't always been at the forefront of America's story. But now they are the story. Period. So this is not just a podcast, y'all. It's a collection of some of NPR's best episodes showcasing the brilliance and resilience of the black experience. And we know NPR is known for its commitment to diverse storytelling. But with them presenting black stories, black truths, I would say that this is NPR with the noir twist. <laughs> so what are you waiting for? Turn on NPR today and immerse yourself in a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and black as the incredible country we reflect. And remember, stories should never be about us without us. 
Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, available wherever you get your podcast. Y'all should know by now that we love progression over here. Let's chat about what everyday progress truly means to us. Whether it's hitting those small milestones or treating ourselves to a little something something after a month of disciplined budgeting, progress is all about balance and staying motivated. And speaking of budgeting and reaching financial goals while still enjoying life's little pleasures, have you heard about Chime? Chime's checking account offers some amazing features that can help you along your financial journey. Let me tell you about one feature that really stands out to me. Chime's Spot Me. We've all been there, right? Dealing with overdraft fees can really throw a wrench in your financial plans. But with Chime, you can overdraft up to $200 with no fees. You heard me right. No fees. It's like having a safety net for those unexpected moments. Y'all, I had a friend who was always getting hit with hefty overdraft fees. It was a mess trying to sort it out. How do you really get ahead with that? But with Chime, you can avoid those headaches and get back on track with ease. Plus, Chime isn't just a bank. It's a community. With Boost, you can increase your spot me limit by receiving boosts from your friends. It's like having your financial back covered by your squad. So, if you're ready to take control of your finances and wave goodbye to those pesky monthly fees, open your Chime account today. Just head over to Chime.com slash bravado. That's Chime.com slash bravado. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bankcourt Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Boosts are available to eligible Chime members enrolled in Spot Me and are subject to monthly limits. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. Okay, y'all, before we get into this juicy combo with Imani, you know we got to make sure y'all are on the right track. So if you're here, I'm hoping that you have left your review. I'm hoping that you're also following the show and have that bell on so that you don't miss a notification letting you know that a new episode is dropped, especially in the series that we're in. You don't want to miss anything. You don't. And if you love what you hear and you're not missing a thing, join us over at the Homegirl Hangout. We have an amazing community that is growing and thriving over there. We're talking very frequently in our Discord chat. We have community challenges, um, information. Our book club, our book club is going on right Book now club is back this so month. many things so if you're looking to connect with other like-minded women in a meaningful and valuable way use the link that's down in the show notes to join us at the homegirl hangout yes let's do that also let's shout out our new homegirl we have Karyle. hopefully i'm saying your name right hey girl welcome to the homegirl hangout via patreon mm-hmm. we appreciate you yeah and get y'all asses over there she said it all right girly so imani Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We are so excited to chat with you and have you. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. Thank you both for having me. Whenever black women are in the room, like I need to be there. Wherever it is, podcast, it's it's a brunch, whatever, I'm there. Love that. Yes, love that. So Imani, we were so happy that we came across your profile because we were just on an international retreat. We went to El Salvador for two weeks and we had a group, two groups of women. And some of the conversations that we were having amongst the girlies, they were talking about how they just love being abroad and how they would even like to explore living abroad. 
And that's a conversation that I've been hearing more recently. And I don't know if it's for me yet, but when I hear people's stories and they talk about their experience and just the difference from living here in the U.S., I'm like, hmm, maybe that is something I should like open my mind to. So when we found you and you were just sharing your experience with living abroad, I was like, we have to have her here because the girlies, the girlies want to know. So Amani, tell us like what sparked your your drive to like move abroad and how has your life differed from before you moved abroad? Oh, that's a great question. So it's like a twofold. I remember like, um, so I moved abroad in 2015. And I actually moved abroad at like the height of my career. I was um, in broadcasting, in sports broadcasting. I thought I was going to be the the black Muslim Pam Oliver. I was doing my thing, but I wasn't making any money. And when I was like interviewing at like bigger networks, there was always like some kind of excuse, like you're good, but or you know you're you're great, but you you only cover sports. You don't have news experience. And it was like, girl, if I can cover sports, I can cover pretty much anything, you know, the technicalities that revolves around sports, like I can cover some news, but I kept getting those type of excuses and it left me a little despondent, you know, like when you're, when you're going after your dreams and you're going after your goals and you're really like doing all the things that they tell you that you're supposed to be doing the, you know, starting from the bottoms and the, you know, building your way up and making your way up in your career. And then I believe July of 2015, Sandra Bland happened. And at the time, she and I both were 28 years old. And I just remember like learning her story during that time and learning about how she was chasing after her dreams. And she was had just interviewed for a position that she really, really wanted and how excited she was about it. And I just kept seeing myself in her and vice versa. And it just didn't leave me. Like the feeling of what happened to her, the feeling that it could happen to me. I was always in things that were social justice based because my dad was a criminal trial attorney my entire life. So I knew a lot about the criminal justice system. I was always at protest. I was I was the fight the power girl, okay? And um, after a while, it was just like, is this is this going to be me? Is this going to be my life? I'm working in a career that I really think that I'm good at. I really believe that I can excel at, but I'm not making waves. I'm not getting to where I want to be. I'm living off food stamps, okay? I had to move back in with my parents. Um, it just wasn't ideal in, in my mind of what, what ideal was. And I don't know, call it spirit, call it intuition, call it God. I Something in me said, move abroad. Like gave me the idea. I had never lived abroad, y'all. I had never lived abroad. I had traveled abroad twice prior to then. Um, but when spirit spoke, the Sagittarius in me was like, okay, let's let's do this, you know? And then within a month- Oh, that's all you had to say. Uh-huh. Once you said Sagittarius, I'm like, there you go. Explains it all. You know it. Because we gonna, we gonna jump out the window. We gonna build our parachute on the way down. We'll figure it out, you know, of, of how we gonna land, but we gonna land. And so for me, it was just kind of that move. It was like one out of desperation- and then two out of this like thirst for saying there has to be something more for me somewhere else. You know what I mean? And, and that's where I was like, OK, let's try it and let's see what this is about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
Every time I think about how difficult it is to live here in America, it's really hard. I know that we're all doing it, but the hustle culture, the rat race, constantly trying to get ahead, you know, you can't sleep because if you sleep, you can't eat, you got to work. It's really nonstop. And I think that we've built up this like um, almost, uh, I don't, what would you call it where... Tolerance. Yeah, a tolerance for like just working so hard and not realizing like, y'all, we're doing so much. Brittany mentioned we were in El Salvador. And when I was there, I felt such peace. And I know you mentioned that traveling abroad is your calm, you know, like your nervous system can relax, you can rest. And I, I felt those things. And a lot of times when we travel go to Mexico or here, there, we, you know, drop into a place for three, four days. I'm like, I could really live here. (laughs) Um, And you explain that visiting a place and living in a place are so different. Can you elaborate and explain like, what are those major differences? Oh yeah. I remember. um, So my, the first country I moved to was, uh, was Egypt, specifically in Cairo. And I had visited Cairo before and I thought it was, I was like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. Like, you know, the pyramids, like, you know what I mean? But also like to see the actual neighborhoods, to see how people lived there. It's it's so vastly different than what it is in our American minds we think is happening on other areas of the world, you know? And um, I remember I had such a great experience. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I moved there and everybody's loud. And it's interesting to me because I'm like, you know, black people get all of these like negative stereotypes. And then you go around the world and you realize like we are really six degrees of separation between cultures because people are very, very similar than they are dissimilar. And so like, I remember it being loud. I remember like people were always like yelling, shouting, arguing, Um, you know, just the culture is very like, it's a little insidious, you know, and not to speak to like Egyptians as a whole, but like, it's one of those, yeah, you kind of got to watch what's going on. I remember having, feeling like I need to learn the language very quickly or somebody's going to take advantage. Like, because, you know, it's just that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I tell people, I'm like, when you visit a place, it's always going to be beautiful. It's always going to give you this like, ooh, like this is great. But then you immerse yourself in culture and culture is a totally different thing as a visitor than it is as somebody who's like living there you have to go by your day-to-day you don't know the language but you have to learn a little bit of the language and you're frustrated because you're like it's not their fault that I don't know the language but I don't know the language you know what I mean and I don't know how to communicate that I need my electricity turned on or that I need to get to the grocery store or you know and so yeah I tell people all the time like You know, it's not a one size fits all journey. Even when I do content, I always tell people because I don't want to say unfortunately, but I'm not the typical like content creator that's going to tell you five of the best places for black women. No, these are five of the best places for me. When I went there, I enjoyed them. You may hate it. Yeah. You may have a totally different experience, but you're going to look at me and be like, Imani, you said that they treat black women well over here. And I'm be like, well, they treated me well because it's isolated. My little experience that I have in a different area of the world is going to be totally different from yours. And so I try my best to be as honest as possible and let people know that like, When you're moving to these places, if you're not familiar with the culture, it's always going to be a culture shock. American culture is vastly different from any other culture in the world. Vastly different. The way that, you know, we 
diminish the importance of learning multilingualism. I remember moving to Egypt and the first job that I got was teaching. My students spoke like three, four languages, like off the bat. Like it was nothing. Reading, writing, and speaking. Mm. And I was just like, y'all speak German (laughs) in Egypt? Like what? Yeah, It was wild. Y'all speak French. You know what I mean? They were learning Spanish. Their parents had language tutors. And so, you know, there's so many different things that will really like blow your mind when you're new, you know, to something. The culture could be much faster than you're used to. The culture could be much slower than what you're used to. Um, I, I remember living in Poland and in Poland, they count their change out like one by one by one by one. It is a cultural thing at the grocery store. And I was pregnant with my son at the time. You know, I don't got no patience for nothing. I'm pregnant. I'm just trying to get this little candy bar I'm supposed to be eating. And I just want to go back in the house. But that was a cultural norm. If they had change, they were going to use it. And they would count it one by one at the counter. And so, you know, for me, I had to learn. This is a part of their culture. I am the guest. So girl, you just gonna have to wait. And then eventually that became me. I got a pocket full of change and I'm, I'm counting out my change. And ain't nobody rushing me. And ain't nobody like, oh my God, girl, when are you gonna be done? It's none of that, you know what I mean? And so one of the beauties of it is you you start to become the culture that's around you and you start to engage in it in a way that is much more respectful than it is, you know, kind of judgy. Yeah, that is so true because I, when we were in El, in El Salvador, there was a power outage. And I remember having a little bit of nervousness because the power was out for an extensive period of time. And you know, in the U.S., we're used to our shit coming right back on. So we kept texting them on WhatsApp, like any update, any update. They probably were thinking, y'all, this isn't the norm over here. Chill. It's a power outage day. Quit texting us. Quit acting like your whole day is fucked up. Just relax. When it comes back on, we're back up and running. But I do remember having those feelings of like, um... Where's the sense of urgency in addressing the power outage? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell people all the time. I'm like, the United States specifically, because Mexico is still America. Canada is still America because it's North America. But the United States specifically is the only place on Earth that I've been to. And I lived in Europe. I lived in Africa. I lived in the Middle East. I lived in Asia. And I lived in the southern part of Northern America, which is Mexico, that moves and expects people to move as fast as they do. Literally everywhere you go around, people be on their phones, sitting there. When you come up to the counter, they're like, oh, you're here? Oh, okay. You know, somebody might be sleeping in the back. You might have to knock on some, hey, hi, whatever. But it's it's such a sense of urgency that we have. Like, don't let your Wi-Fi go out abroad. You're going to be like, first world problem, real princessy. Like, what what is going on? Um, when I was in South Africa, they have something called low shedding, where they know that the power is going to go out for a certain amount of time. That is something that happens there. It happens in South Africa. And I remember we were at a restaurant, y'all. We were at a restaurant and we had just ordered our food. Ooh. And low shedding happened and the power went off. And my mentor was like, yeah, it's low shedding. I was like, but but how are we going to get our food? Right. right? <laughs> like, how, how are we going to eat? And, you know, these places have generators and all that or whatever the case may be. But the people are like, oh, okay, well, it'll, it'll come back on in an hour or so. And I'm like, well, what's the or so? Like, or so, like tomorrow, or so, like an hour and 20 minutes, like, you know? But that's that American mindset that we need everything, like, here, now, ready, go. You know what I'm saying? And everywhere in the world doesn't necessarily operate like that. Yeah. 
That's true. We need to be checked. It's a real thing. My my partner, he went to South Africa and he told me about that. He was like, babe, we were in the middle of the function and the power just went out. I'm like, what the hell? The way I would be in crisis mode, like, you guys, we're going to get it back up. We're going to get it back up. We're they doing- just chill, though. Like, they just stop. You know, like you said, it'll come back up when it comes back up. And when it's up and running, then it's like, fun. then we back to, um, you know, we back <laughs> uh-huh. to doing what we doing. <laughs> I want to backtrack right. a little bit. I want to backtrack a little bit because, Imani, you said that your Sagittarius spirit had you jumping out of the plane and then building the parachute on the way down. But for the Virgo girls who like want to prepare before they decide, you know what, this is for me. I'm definitely going to do this. Before the fight is booked. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're Listen. jumping out the plane. We need to know where the, what airline what are we airport flying out? Does it, are there planes that go there? <laughs> right. Um, so like, what are some like three things, being that you've already had this experience, that you would say, these are things that you must do to prepare before you decide, you know what, I'm going I'm to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of those main things is I tell people when I moved abroad, I literally had $400 to my name. That's it. I bought a one way ticket. I didn't even have a, enough money to get back if I needed to. Didn't have a job lined up when I went there. Do not suggest that. I do not promote it, especially in the, you know, post pandemic age. Like I would never suggest anybody to move somewhere on a dollar in a dream. I'm sorry. That ain't going to be me. I'm not the poster girl for it. So I tell people like whatever currency you make, obviously we make American currency. We make U.S. dollars have about, you know, six to nine months, maybe even a year if you can stashed away of that money as a nest egg, because say you get there, you know what I mean? And you don't like it. Yeah. Then what? You know what I mean? Say you get there and whatever job that you thought you had lined up, because guess what? We don't have the same laws and the same protections under the laws, right? So somebody could fire you, somebody can, and your contract then and there, you know, and you be, you know, kind of out, you know what I mean? And so I always tell people, you know, presently, had I done it all over again, I would have made sure that I had some type of substantial savings, investment, something that, you know, in case of emergency, like a, a world pandemic, um, that I would have been fine either way. So I say that make sure you have a savings. If you could save about six to nine months of U.S. dollars going to places where the currency is much lower, you'll be good to go. If you need to get a flight up out of there, if you need to get a new Airbnb or a new accommodation to live, if you need to, you know, whatever it is that you need, money is going to talk anywhere in the world. Um, the second thing, you know, for, for the planning girls, for the girls that are like, look, I got to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would definitely say, you know, don't lean so much on other people's experiences. Go and experience on your own. You know, if you could take a week, if you can take two weeks. And like I said, visiting is obviously different than living. But if you know when you can see yourself somewhere, you know, when you're vibing somewhere and you like this ain't me. This, you know, we're, we're good on energy now. We, we pay attention to energy. We know boundaries. We understand where something doesn't feel right and it's a little bit off and it's just not us. So I say take that time on your own, even if you go with a close friend or a family member, somebody that you really trust, but allow yourself to immerse yourself in that place and say, OK, I can see me here and not. And I always give people the example of Merida in Mexico. Like that's supposed to be the big black expat hub. When I went, I ain't like it, y'all. I just did not like it. I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. At all. It's much slower. 
you know, than Cancun, where I've been living the past three years. You know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's got this big black community, but folks wasn't speaking when I was speaking. I was like, I don't like that. Right. You know what I mean? I, I like my community to be communal. I like us to be like, I see, I see you, we see each other. Like, that's the kind of energy that I want. It didn't give me that. So for me, I was like, ah, I'm good. Um, and then I would say the last thing is, you know, please, please have your paperwork in order, whether it's health insurance, whether it's life insurance, whether it's something because people often talk about living abroad. Nobody talks about dying abroad. Mm. Nobody talks about what happens if you get hurt abroad, um, which I've seen many instances of. And because the family doesn't have enough money to get the body shit back to the States or, you know, this person dies in a country where, you know, um, I remember there was a sister who was a teacher in the UAE. She ended up being brain dead. Um, I believe like their laws don't do a DNR, do not resuscitate or something like that or vice versa. Um, so, you know, don't quote me wrong, y'all. Right. Do your own research. shit, <laughs> Audience. I'm just saying what I can remember. But you know, I remember that was a big thing because they only do Islamic burials and Islamic burials are very quick. Mm. Mm-hmm. They wash the body, they put it in the ground, like 48 hours is all you got. You know what I mean? But the family was like, no, we want to bring her back and we want to do all of these things. But they didn't have the money and they had to do the GoFundMe thing. And it's no shade to them, but it's like people don't prepare for that. People don't think, you know, I'm going to live my life abroad and I might actually die here or I might get hit by... um a, a bike or something like that and I might end up having to get surgery and I need to go to a great hospital versus a public hospital. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I've known people that that has happened to. So I would definitely say make sure you find a life insurance plan or health insurance plan, something that includes burial insurance that will allow your body to be, you know, shipped back home. Um, you know, you have a next of kin, contact, emergency, all of those things, especially if you are a single person moving abroad. I love that. These are real, like steps that we have to take if you are really considering moving abroad because sometimes it's just like I'm gonna just pack all my shit I'm gonna land someplace where I can rest and restore and we don't think about all of those other aspects of like having it together like girl you could die over there you can I know (laughs) I remember like during the pandemic there was a a couple who moved to Bali and um, they were living their best life in Bali obviously because our money goes further there. So they were living their best lives, but they didn't have their proper documentation. I guess they didn't have their visas and they were making money out there. So you really do have to have your, your paperwork in order. And as far as the visas go, like how do those work exactly? I know there's different types of visas, like a work visa, a temporary stay visa. Like how do you determine which one that you need to have? That's a really great question. So ultimately, right. You know, there's different tiers, it's different levels. So if you're getting a work visa, that means that a company, whether it's a company in the States that's placing you at a like a sister station in like Singapore or a company that's already based there is hiring you to come work. Typically, the most popular job that way is teaching. Right. So these international schools, they like, hey, we want you to come teach here. They will formulate a contract. You will sign it. They will sign it. The government will stamp it. And they will go through the process where you would have to take those documents, go to whatever embassy, let's say China. China's always been like a big hub for, you know, native English speaking teachers. So you will go to China's consulate. You would take your passport 
and you would get a work visa. The work visa would stipulate that your start date is here, that your end date is here. So your work visa would literally only be for the time that you are supposed to start and the time that you are supposed to finish. And China don't play about their visas Listen. and overstaying and all of those things. You can end up getting a fine. You can end up going to jail. You can end up being deported. They do not play about it. Um, or you can get something called a temporary residence visa. So I have a temporary residence visa in Mexico. So in Mexico, you're allowed without any type of visa application, any of those things, up to six months. So you get up to 180 days to go to Mexico, right? The temporary residence visa allows me to stay there year round without having to leave, without having to get any extra documentation. Now there are steps involved. So it's not like, a oh, you just apply. And then you get it like you have to go to a consulate in the United States. And then once you're done with that consulate in the United States, they give you something. You got to go to a consulate in Mexico. You got to wait. You got to do this process. It took me like a couple of days. And also once I got to Mexico, that process was like a couple of hours in one building. Mm. Yeah. In one day. So, you know, the temporary residence visa allows you to stay a full year. And then you have something called permanent residency. Now, typically in most places, and this isn't everywhere because every country is different. Those are made specifically for people of retiring age. You have something in the bank, like a 401k, you have um, social security, you have a, a good amount of money to establish that, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to die here, but I don't need to work. I don't need to take from the economy. I can afford my living on my own. Um, and so that's what a permanent residency is. And typically that's like five years and under, and then you just renew it as you would like. So, you know, there's different tiers. And now since the pandemic, a lot of countries have been offering what they call like digital nomad visas. So Barbados has one. Um, the island of Dominica has one. There are a lot of places that have, Portugal used to have one. I think they started ending the program. But pretty much all you have to establish is number one, that you can financially be self-sufficient in that area of the world. Show them, you know, what you got in your bank account. And in Barbados case, like they have specific stipulations when you go on their website that says, okay, you need to show you have this amount in your bank account. You need to show that you have this amount in health insurance. And you need to show that you can continue to work throughout the year without taking any job from any local Bayesian out here. You know what I mean? Wow. And so, you know, in those cases, there are tons of places around the world where you can find that they'll allow you to stay for like 18 months or maybe even two years on a digital nomad visa. Love that. I love that we're talking about how to get to the coin because when you're when you're there, you need to be working. And for the girlies who are not necessarily entrepreneurs or like content creators where we can make our money just like living in a place and submitting it to certain, you know, agencies. The girls who are nine to fiveies and they want to go um live abroad in expat. Like, how do we find work abroad? How do we make money abroad? Listen. Let me tell y'all, I have done a hundred and fifty thousand things to make money abroad because I tell people like it's cute when people are selling you on this dream that everybody can be an entrepreneur abroad everybody can be a digital nomad it's not true right because even though you know the dollar to the peso may be 20 you know 20 in between and you know you get there with a hundred dollars and you got two thousand pesos like when those two thousand pesos are done and you have nothing coming in what are we doing? Right. You need right? what are we doing? Those digital products that that were hot cakes, they're no longer hot, girl. They're cold. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, for me, 
when I got there, I, when I first got abroad, I got me a nine to five. I was, I was teaching. I'm not a teacher. <laughs> I didn't like it, but I needed something to sustain my living to, you know, I remember y'all, I came there with $400. So $400. Yeah. It was going to get me like maybe two months. And then after that, it was giving destitution. So, you know, I would say try to find a company. Now, this is another like honest, honest thing. During the pandemic, I was laid off twice. Mm. Okay. Twice with nine to fives. Right. I was hired through one company. This is if you Google it, you'll see it. I'm not going to speak their names, but I was hired by one company who knew that I had been living abroad. I was still living abroad. I was stuck in Malaysia at the time. So I interviewed in Malaysia. I was half a day ahead when I did my interview. So they knew where I was, all the things. By the time I got to Mexico, it became like, oh, how'd you get there? When'd you get there? We can't support an international employee, et cetera, et cetera. And literally pulled the rug from underneath me. I didn't get a severance. I didn't get a nothing. Okay. During the height of the pandemic. Oh, no. Yeah. So you have to make sure that these companies are allowing you, even though they say work from home, they don't need mean your home in Cape Town. They don't mean your home in Bali. They do not mean your home in London. They mean your home in the 50 nifty United States or within the little asterisks in that fine print where they say they are allowing people to work from. And they are not, you know, they're not foolish. They know people will try it. And especially if you have that nine to five that's giving you your equipment, they're going to track your IP. Whether you have a VPN, whether you don't, they're going to know that your MacBook just logged in from Playa del Carmen. And they're going to be like, hold up. Uh huh. I've had that before. I tried to look. I got me a little tech job. I was like, look, they got some coins over there. Right. And I remember we went to Egypt. This was last year. We went to Egypt and I needed to log in. And I'm like, crap, I didn't turn my VPN on. And literally, as soon as I turned my laptop on, I got a message from IT. Hey, it said you're in Cairo. I'd be like, that's an accident. That's a mistake. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, what happened was that because the thing and then the, the other thing, right? Making up something real quick because that's what it's giving. And it's the type of anxiety that you don't really need. So for me, it's really finding a company that will allow it, that will even place you in a place. I knew a brother who, I knew a brother who worked for Nike and he was from Atlanta and they placed him in Shanghai in China and they, all expenses paid, they flew him out. He working for Nike there. You know what I mean? It is much harder. I'm going to tell you, it is much harder to work um, for companies that don't have like a sister station in another place. But I will also say it's much easier now if you get a contract role versus an employee role that will give you like the benefits and, you know, the healthcare and all of that. So I have had a nine to five before where I was just a contractor. I still worked 40 hours a week. I still got what was considered a salary, but I wasn't taxed, I had to pay my own taxes. And I had to, you know, get my own like insurance for that. So I think that might be an easier route, but I'm telling you that nine to five life abroad, especially with the companies in the U S that are penny pension and trying to keep people in the office these days, it's, it's more leave your nine to five and get comfortable doing odd jobs. Like if you really want to immerse yourself in the culture, you know, like 
be a part of the culture, be a part of the people. Cause nine to fives aren't typical everywhere. You yeah. know, like that's very much so like American thing. When I was in Italy, um, we would be like walking through the, the town and going to get lunch child, you know, they shut things down for a siesta. So like you have to get comfortable in the culture and, you know, be a waitress, a cute little somebody or something, do some hair, whatever it's going to be, baby, you got to <laughs> do some hair. Y'all, when I tell y'all I will fly home to get my hair blown out, and where was the sisters in Cancun? I'm like, where y'all right. at? Like, I need my hair braided. Like, what's good? I need a, I need listen. a hot plate. Like, if you cook, you make a good meal. Listen, we out here, okay? My homegirl, she just moved to Columbia. She's there, and she was like, I need to go get my hair braided. Luckily, she was able to go to um, Cali in Columbia, which is where a lot more blacks, you know, like yes, Afro Latinas, no, like and a lot of dark okay. skin, like Colombian, with like our kind of hair. Mm-hmm. So she was able to get her hair braided out there. But I'm like, girl, you got to have your resources. You got to be, you know, tapped in. Where can I go? What can I do? For sure. Yeah. Okay. For real. Where's my people? Mm-hmm. Speaking of where's my people, I have been seeing the black women say that they're finding love abroad. That has been the message being pushed. Love is being found abroad. They said it's ghetto in America. If you want to be treated right, if you want to be, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to be loved well, if you want to just get out of the pool that has pee in it, then we have to travel. What what would you say has been your experience with love and dating abroad? Is it better? Is it giving what they say is giving? So the interesting thing is I remember like when I moved abroad because I was closer to my 30s, I remember people like, what are you going to do about marriage? Like, what's going to happen? And I was like, I ain't focused on me. I ain't even worried about it. And then literally less than a year into my move, I met my son's father and he was coaching football. Um, he was coaching football at the American University in Cairo. A black man. And I remember we met at an NFL event in Cairo, Egypt. Right. So remember, I used to do sports broadcasting. I found out about this event. It was a private event. I fast talked my way inside and I'm seeing all these black men. So I'm like, I'm just coming here for the eye candy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just coming here to, you know, take a look. Marshawn Lynch, my favorite personality. He was out there acting him. a fool. I was like, OK, I see you, you know, and then I saw him and I was like, OK, I see you. You know, and we started talking and he was like, oh, no, I live here. I live in such and such an area. And I'm like, oh, I live over there, which Cairo is a huge city. So a lot of people that I was meeting would be it would take me an hour to get to where they live. They side of town. So for him to live 10 minutes away, I was like, oh, perfect. And I'm, I I mean, he was cute to me, but I was thinking, OK, somebody I could just vibe with. We can go to the mall. We can hang out, kick it, that kind of thing. Just having some kind of semblance of home. Little companion. For sure. And then we ended up getting married, you know, and we spent, you know, the past seven years living abroad, you know, raising a child abroad, raising a multilingual child. You know, for us, it ended in divorce. However, I feel like in the time that, you know, we really like thug this out, you know, just us, no family, no close friends, um, the men are out there and, you know, especially in his profession, I will see black men all the time. I will be meeting black men all the time that were also coaching in other, other countries or black men that he would hire to come be his assistant coach or his quarterback or his whatever the case may be. I'm like, the black men are out here. Like, you know what I'm saying? They really are out here and they're traveling and they're doing the thing. So for me, in my experience, it was really awesome um, to give myself the chance first. And then God allowing me to meet the person who was going to allow me to to see the world with them and also become a mom. 
Oh, that's so beautiful. That is. I love that. So you've mentioned motherhood. I'm sure some of the homegirls are saying, record scratch. She got a child living abroad. Because, <laughs> you know, we don't be, we that ain't nothing familiar to us. Yeah. What has been your, been your experience with raising a child abroad? Because I'm sure, I mean, it's likely a unique one. Yeah. And it's scary raising them here. Oh, for sure. Listen, it's scary raising them just period. Like, which is why I'm one and done. I'm like, I'll, I can only do this one time and feel like I can get it somewhat right. Cause I feel like I'm failing every day. No. Like, it's just, it's just one of them jobs where you're like, okay, do I got this or, or no? Like, you know, but. No 30, 60, 90. <laughs> listen, okay. And I have, um, maternal mortality in my family. So my father's mother. Um, was pregnant with twins, walked into a hospital. My father was 16 years old. She never came home again. Oh, no. And so the story of my paternal grandmother was always that. So I always kind of knew, like, I don't know if I ever want to have a kid in the hospital. And then it became after some time, I don't know if I want to raise a kid in the States, you know? And um, when it came down to it, when I was pregnant, I traveled my whole entire pregnancy. I was only in the States for maybe like my first trimester, getting the kinks out that nausea i had a viral infection so i had to get go in the hospital and um i had to get on the iv i was severely dehydrated all the things but once i like felt better i was like i'm out of here <laughs> you know and um so it came down to my son's father having two contracts he had one in the states and then he had one in poland thank god somehow the one in the states fell through it just wasn't the deal just wasn't gonna work out so we went to Poland and that's where our son was born. My son was born in Szczecin, Poland. It's in like the Northwestern region, like close to to Germany. And when I tell y'all, those people treated us like, I'm talking about red carpet rolled out. I had a midwife. Um, I had a state of the art pediatrician that they took me to. I paid $0 mm. to give birth and postpartum care. $0. Wow. Okay. Um, there was a priest who heard about um, us because we had a home birth. He heard about us. He knew that I was a Muslim woman. He waited downstairs until he knew I was covered or at least knew that he was on his way up. He came up. And when I tell y'all, he had grocery bags worth of diapers, clothes, wipes, shoes, toys. We got a free car seat. We got a... um a stroller. I'm talking about we could have been in Poland for like the next year and our son would have been perfectly fine. Um, and th just the experience of that let me know that I would find community anywhere. I would find family um, of my choosing anywhere. He has a Polish auntie till this day. He got Polish grandparents till this day. He got a Polish cousin till this day um, because those people took took great care of me. They took great care of him. They doted on him. They loved him. And it was time when it was time for us to leave. We've kept contact all of these years. He actually asked about going back to Poland, but even in raising him in different countries abroad, like I found that so many cultures are very familial. Chinese people are very familial. They're very much about family. Um, even though Egypt is like a little loud and ghetto, you know what I mean? Shout out to my Egyptians, you know? Very familial, you know, very loving um, still. Um, and Mexico, the same thing. That's where he, you know, first started really developing like language. He he was speaking Chinese when we first, before we, before the pandemic hit and we had to leave and all the things. Um, he was about two and he was like learning the language. 
But now the kid's fluent in Spanish. He's learning French. He has a whole community, you know, those kinds of things. And so for me, it was ultimately about the quality of life that he would have over everything else. Like, I was like, I don't necessarily know if I wanted my kid to have the things, but more so like peace of mind. Like literally kids will come up to the door and be like, oh, okay, can I see her come out to play? And we just let them go. I ain't doing that in the state. Listen, no, we're not. Right. We're not doing that. Somebody's nanny gonna come to the door and be like, yeah, I'm coming to get Nasir. Okay, go take him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I know that he'll have snacks and somebody will make sure that he's fed and somebody will give him water and he will come back how he's supposed to come back. And that was new for me, you know, because as a parent, I'm like, uh-uh, I'm following them to the park. Right. <laughs> yeah. See, see what everybody's doing. But culturally, it's so normal that people are taking care of each other. Um, and it just so happens also, like, the community that we live in, in Mexico and Cancun, it's gated. It's completely closed out. So it's very ironclad with who can be in and who can, you know, who can go out the comings and goings and stuff like that. So the safety in terms of community is, like, we know who belongs here and who does not, you know? And so it's just one of those things where that peace of mind is something that I've wanted when I said, you know what, I'm going to have a child. And that's something that I, I couldn't really trade, to be honest. Yeah, the, the quality of life does seem much more just peaceful and well-rounded. I mean, even for him to be multilingual, like we on Duolingo trying to learn Girl. learn another language at this big age. struggling. <laughs> I said, cancel the membership shit. <laughs> they speak English everywhere I go. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hey, I can't, I, this is shit. Google Translate us. But so as far as like his education, is the quality just as good with the education? Like what are the different options when it comes to, okay, I want to bring my child and we're, we're going to move together. I know that might be like a concern for some people wondering, okay, is the quality of education going to be just as good in these other countries? Oh, for sure. Um, for me, one of the things that I've recognized as a parent, especially raising a black child, is I didn't really want him raised on the same barometer of the American school system because it ain't built for us. It's not education wise. It's not built for little black boys. It ain't built for little black girls. Right. We're, we're taught in ways that are very unlike our natural and innate abilities. Right. So he goes to a Montessori style school. They don't have homework. They don't have testing, right? But they do have other things in which kids will learn their reading, writing, arithmetic, you know? Um, and so for me, I always tell people, look for international schools. There are international schools all over the world. So they may have an American curriculum. They may have a um, UK curriculum. I actually prefer the UK curriculum because the UK curriculum, they are very ironclad on what it is that you're taught. American curriculum, like most schools will say it's American curriculum, but they just throwing something together and like hoping that it sticks. I've learned that over the years. I'm like, it ain't, you know what I mean? But with a UK curriculum, they have to be at certain benchmarks because they have to take certain types of testing and things of that nature. And then they also have the IB programs, the, the international baccalaureate programs um, at different international schools. What I will tell people is that if you're going to an international school, it will cost money. So we technically pay a tuition for Nasir to go to the school that he goes to. And it's not, well, the school that he goes to is a pretty decent school, but it's not necessarily because it's a pretty decent school because you can go to a school that's maybe a, a few tiers down, but because it's an international school, that's the way that they pay their teachers. That's the way that they, you know, keep the lights on, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're taking your kids to an international school, know that you're going to pay. If you are 
you know, you just so happen to be a teacher, your kid will go to school for free. Oh, that's one of those like things. Yeah. Typically, if you are a teacher by trade or if you're going abroad and you're teaching somewhere, they'll allow your kids to, to go to school for free. So you won't have to pay for that. Um, but yeah, the education system, like for me, you know, of course, I, I was so used to being like, OK, where's he and, and what this and what that. And I remember like being at like a parent teacher meeting and one of the administrators at his school is a, is a white American woman who has raised her kids in Mexico as well. And she was explaining, she was like, you have to understand that he is a native English speaker that's learning Spanish and also learning how to apply it in subjects that he's just learning. Mm-hmm. So we're not as quick as the American school system because he's now a bilingual kid who is learning in two languages. Yeah. So she had to break that down to me. It's going to be a different learning path and it might be a little bit slower than what it is that you see in America, but he's going to get everything that he needs to get. And that's one thing that I had to kind of unlearn myself as a parent. Like, okay, it's okay if he's not on, you know, this particular level, but also we supplement his education at home. He's doing reading, writing, arithmetic at home as well. So we make sure that he's reading, that he's doing math, that he's doing science, that he's doing, you know, other things when he's at home, because that's our job as parents too. You can't fully depend on teachers to do all the things, but I think it's also important for people that want to, you know, have their kid abroad, having them learn the foreign language is probably the biggest bonus. And you can supplement the things, you know, that you need to teach the the reading, writing, arithmetic, if you feel like it's going at a slower pace than you would like. How do you feel like being so cultured for him at a young age has impacted his like view of himself? I know you guys come back and forth to the States as well. Do you feel like, he, has he noticed the difference? Like, I'm actually um really about my shit when he comes <laughs> home and talks to other kids. <laughs> like, does he have those experiences? You know, I I think for him, it's kind of like, I always say he lives on vacation. Like his life in Mexico is vastly different and, and, and how he lives. And, you know, um, so I, I do like to bring him back to the stage just so he can stay on point, like pay attention to where you're going, you know, look this way, look that way. Cause I think regardless of where you are in the world, you're still a black person. And there's certain, like, there's a certain grit that we got because we, are from here Mm -hmm. that we we got it from i don't care if you're from the suburbs you still got it from some area of the mud of having to navigate even if you're navigating a white world point blank in the period so you know i think when he when he comes here he's like yeah it's cold you know i got a work coat i'm ready to go back or you know it'll be like "Mm, this doesn't taste like it tastes you know, in Mexico, that don't, that don't taste the same, you know, that kind of thing. I realized too, he will speak less Spanish when he's in America. It's almost like he segregates the idea that even when he hears people speaking Spanish, he won't speak it here. He'll speak it in Mexico because he's like, okay, everybody's speaking Spanish. But it's almost kind of like he believes like in, in the United States, you speak English. In Mexico, you don't speak English, you know, that kind of thing. So no, I don't, I don't think he knows yet. You know, um, I can tell he he can tell like there's a difference in his lifestyle, obviously, because we can't go out. I can't just let you go outside here in the U.S. It's just right. you know, that's not ever happening. Like, I'm not letting you go out with a neighbor. I'm not letting you go out with somebody's nanny. I don't care how long I've known them. It's not happening. You know, 
Um, so yeah, th- those are, are some of the nuances and some of the differences. But in terms of like his, I, I feel like when he's older, he'll be like, oh yeah, y'all did that. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. I, I, I see. You ate that. Yeah. That little bit right there. You ate that. <laughs> you did eat that. You did eat that. So Imani, we've been, we've been in our astro cartography bag lately. I don't know. Have you heard of astro cartography before? Mm-mm. So it's basically like using astrology, your birth chart to figure out where in the world, um, you're more aligned or like where, like, you know, your synergies sync up more. So we've been in that looking at the world map seeing, ooh, I see something in Brazil for me. I see that maybe Ghana would feel like home for me. So you being a, a traveler, where are three places that USA have felt like home for you and why? Ooh, so Malaysia, Malaysia was like, I could be here forever and ever and ever. I think that whole Southeast Asia region, I didn't get a chance to get to Bali. I really wanted to get to Indonesia, just period. But getting to Malaysia, um, Thailand, the people, oh my God, Singapore as well. Um, the people are just really kind. The food is immaculate. The cost of living is cheap, not Singapore. <laughs> Not Singapore, okay? Singapore is like top five highest cities worldwide, okay? You need a coin. You need a coin. Okay. But it's the cleanest place on earth. You can literally eat on the street. Wow. Literally. So yeah, Thailand and Malaysia was like the, the like two places that every time I went, I was just like, I can find a I can find somewhere and just stay here. You know, the weather is beautiful. And like I said, the people are just warm and pleasant. It's almost like the like past of Atlanta when it was like you know anybody that moves to Atlanta you become you become this you have this southern hospitality now even if you come from New York City even if you come from LA you know you you're now ingratiating in that bit and it's like you see it with the people there um and I would say my last place was Johannesburg South Africa it was black black it was beautiful it's artsy it's it gives you a, a little bit of upscale. They have an area called Mabonang, which is like, it's not the safest, right? I would, I would let y'all know, you know what I mean? You might not want to have your phone out, like a little snatch and grab, right? But yeah, if like, I felt like that's where I was supposed to be. You know what I mean? It was literally like these guys on a corner and they got these cameras and they're just taking pictures of people. There's artists over here. There's a cafe over there. They got an open mic over here. Ethiopian food over there. Like, I was like, oh, this is my, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, I'm supposed to be over here. And then you go to this area called Santin, which is like a Black Beverly Hills. Ooh. You know, it's upscale. It's posh. It's got your high rise buildings. I'm like, this is. This is where I'm supposed to be. Y'all started looking up uh, how much the rent was over there. Right. That's the first thing we do. Listen, I might be outside. Like I belong. Speaking about somebody's phone getting taken, I had a friend who was in Johannesburg, girl, and got robbed. Got his phone taken right while he was having lunch. Oh. Was rolled up on him, grabbed his stuff off the table, and was out the door. We'll take that. We'll take that off your hand. iPhone, baby. It was gone. But Imani, so Black girl bravado here is bold, in your face, undeniable confidence. What has been your biggest black girl bravado moment to date in your life? I believe it was fine. Like my my initial move abroad was like the first time that I say yes to me without anybody's approval. I didn't care what my mama thought. I didn't care what my daddy thought. I didn't care what my friends thought. Um, 
I remember waiting to tell people that I was leaving until like my flight was booked and everything was like done because I didn't want anybody speaking any negativity or any of their own fears onto my journey. And I felt like that was the boss boss's ass move that I could have ever made in my life because to tr- the trajectory of what happened, the snowball effect of meeting my son's father, of being able to, you know, have a marriage and experience that experience traveling, traveling and living all over the world and telling that story, writing for some of the biggest publications in the entire world. And also, you know, having my son and allowing him to, you know, be a part of this journey and see life in such a different way. Like, can't nobody tell me shit at this point. Like, what are you going to say? I am a superhero. I am a super woman. That don't mean put no extra work on me. That's not what that means. That just means that when there are the things that maybe the average person will look at and look fear into it, I stare fear right down in the face. And I was like, it's going to be either you or me, bitch. Period. Because people will project their fears. They're like, girl, uh-uh, I went not. As soon as you say I'm going to Mexico, they're pulling up all the articles of the bad shit that happened in Mexico. Listen, send me love and light. I don't want to hear about all the bad shit. Just pray over me. Pray over me, okay? Listen. And leave me alone. So that definitely is big bravado energy right there. Just saying, you know what? I don't care. I don't need your opinions. I'm answering my heart's calling. That's it. They're not calling you. They're calling me. So Period. Thank you for that, Imani. This has been such an educational and fun conversation. I'm sure the girlies who have been considering moving abroad are probably like, okay, yeah, this was a sign. You know, we'd be it's needing a sign. For me. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we'd yeah. be needing a sign. This was a sign. Is there anything that you would like to end this off with sharing that maybe we didn't cover today? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I will say is like, you know, I often find that people, especially, you know, on social media, they always ask me, well, where does, where's the place with the, the biggest black expat community? And I'm like, you're not moving abroad for that. And it's no shade to us. It's no shade to our people. But we will find each other. I promise you. I've been in some of the most unsuspected places on earth. We will find each other. We're like a magnet. But ultimately, the journey is for you. It is for you. So don't look at where did this person go? You know, where's the community over here? You will find community. You will build community. And sometimes it's with people that don't look like you, that don't speak the same language, that don't come from the same area of the world that you come from. And that's okay because ultimately that's what we come to do. We come to show up, right? Show people who it is that we truly are, learn a little about them and they'll learn a little about us too. So allow yourself to be a student in this whole entire journey. Sometimes go off the beaten path. When I tell people I lived in Szczecin, Poland or Chongqing, China or Wuhan, China or, you know, any of the places that I live that aren't a major city like a Cancun or like a Cairo, people are like, what brought you there? Spirit brought me there. And it took me the rest of the way. And I have literally survived And not only survive, but I have thrived in most places that we're sometimes afraid to touch because we think that people don't like us or people are not going to accept us. Accept yourself. And that same energy is going to mirror what it is that you accept when you meet it at the door, no matter where you go in the world. I promise you that. 
Girl, you said it. Now you left us on a powerful note. That was a powerful note. Okay. And you started preaching. Yes, it, we did go to church. Right? right, right. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story and just living out loud and not being able, not being afraid, you know, because so many of us, we need to see versions of ourselves and other people who are living the way you are because we don't see it. You know, it doesn't seem possible, but the more we connect and, and, and visualize ourselves and see things like this that are happening, we know like I can do it too. So yeah. Imani, thank you so much. Would you mind sharing with our community and letting everybody know where they can find you, how they can connect with you? Yes, absolutely. Um, all platforms, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok is at she is Imani B. She is Imani B. My TikTok specifically is all about expatriation. All the questions that you want to know, um, all the things that we talked about on the podcast right now. Like, that's the place where I literally, like, bear it all. You're going to see me with my bonnet on. <laughs> Some of these days, I don't have no lashes on. I'm giving you the real tea. I'm giving you the real me. Um, and, and, and showing you the world through, you know, my bit of perspective. Because, you know, I really, you know, feel like you can't be what you can't see. And you can see that through me. Yes, period. We I definitely can, Imani. Thank you again. And please continue being the light that you are. Mm-hmm. Thank y'all so much for having me. Don't go away. More Black Girl Bravado after this. I don't know about y'all, but that conversation with Imani got me reconsidering some things. Listen. I came into the episode saying that, you know, I didn't know if living abroad was for me. But now I'm looking at it like, you know what? Might be some love out there. A bitch, I might be. Something might be available to me. Yes. Overseas. So make sure y'all follow Imani. Stay in tune and touch with her content. And let us know if this episode has inspired you to explore living abroad. Living yeah. abroad. That'll be the poll this week. Would you live abroad? Would, can you see yourself living abroad? Mm-hmm. Can you see yourself living abroad? I just love that black women are really taking their lives into their own hands. Right. Not just in the ways that we find I'm using air quotes, normal or like common ways, right? Our career and things like that. But being like, actually, I don't like it here or I can see myself living a fuller life someplace else and I'm making moves. I love that. All right, y'all. Make sure you um, tell a homegirl to tell a homegirl about this episode. Share it on your socials. You know, everything happens here organically and via word of mouth. So use yours. That part. (laughs) We'll see you next week. See you. Love you. Bye. Bye.